the Monday, much like today is the 25th day of the month, except it wasn't December, it was October. It was a Monday, it was a typical Monday, it was a pretty temperate Monday in Spearfish, South Dakota. And uh, the, Be- the Belfouche Bronx had made the playoffs, they were set to play lead South Dakota, lead dead one on Thursday night. So Nick and I were headed up to, so that I could go coach, and she said, I need to stop by my classroom because Black Hills Christian Academy didn't have school on Monday. Or any Monday, that was part of the deal. They had four days of school. And she said, "Ah, I think I might be going into labor. I was like, but how do you really know? Because like, we got a playoff game on Thursday, so I should probably just go to practice real quick. And then we could go, then we could go to the hospital. Then we'll have the baby when I'm ready. Does that work? It was a Monday. Monday night, Monday night football was on. It was a pathetic game, two abysmal teams, Denver and Cincinnati. But it was a wonderful night. You ever notice when you have a baby around, nobody just really lets the baby just lay around? Like, oh, it's fine. Just just put the baby over there on the couch. We're going to be doing something else. No, everyone wants to grab the baby and hold the baby and fight for the baby, and they want to get as close to the baby as they can. Most people don't hold babies out well. No female holds a baby out like this, right? You get that baby as close as you can, and you squeeze that baby as tight as you can, and sometimes those babies are, you know, like 18, 25. Christmas, it's a fascinating thing. Matthew tells it this way. He says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So the first thing I have to do is I want to say a special thanks to all these individuals that helped lead us in worship and all the people that helped this morning happen, because frankly, a lot of people were not interested in being a part of that. And I also have to apologize to our professional, fantastic interpreter. This is not a new thing because it seems like every time I preach, I forget to send her my notes. So she literally has no idea what I'm going to say. I guess if I was in more of a routine, I would remember, or maybe if I was just, you know, set myself a reminder, I could remember too. What is it about the Christmas story that is so intriguing? Well, Matthew tells us about this prophet that 
that this baby shall be called Emmanuel. And we sing it, and we sing it so often, we almost forget it. The reality that God is with us, and that what Christmas represents is a God who desires to be close to us. A God who desires to be up close and personal with us. Yes, it is a God who is transcendent, but it is a God who desires to be with us. And I think so many times we, we miss out on that. We miss out on the reality that what we celebrate today is the fact that God wants to be with us because he loves us. Have you watched the Meghan and Harry thing? <laughs> Hard no. <laughs> it happened to be on the TV that was in my living room. And they were, they were going to do their first walkabout. It's a British thing. And so you, it's fascinating. And Megan, being a good American, is like, what is even happening? They're setting up roadblocks and fences. And all the British people come out because they want to see Megan and Harry. I mean, Harry's like third in line, right? Like, he's so subpar within the whole hierarchy of the monarchy. But they want to be up close. They want to see, what is Megan wearing? What are they going to do? So they jam up to the fence. Or maybe you were lucky enough to break through the, the demonic wall of Ticketmaster on that fateful day this fall. And you got in, and, and, and you could pick any ticket you wanted to see Taylor. Now, granted, you had to get a second mortgage, but you were willing to do it. Did you pick the back row? No, Ticketmaster doesn't have an option for worst seat available. Yeah, I want four of those. We love to be up close. Talking to some friends who were at the Vikings game. Some of them had great seats. Others were just in the building. We want to be close, right? No, he says, yeah, I'm going to just, I'll just, except at church, of course. <laughs> Don't want to be too close. God decides to send his son, Jesus Christ, to be up close so that God can be with us. What's your bubble like? Last night, somebody said, I'm going to hug Eric because he doesn't like it. I just need to dispel a rumor, a myth. I may not be a good hugger. I may not even be an average hugger. But it's not that I don't like hugs. They're like, well, good luck. Christmas morning, you're going to have a whole bunch of hugs. Did I mention I have RSV? I'm just kidding. Too soon? What's your bubble like? I mean, right, you, go to the, you used to go to the movies before you could reserve seats, and, and you'd You'd go with some buddies, some men, some men would do this, and he's like, okay, well, we need, we need at least eight seats for the four of us, because <laughs> we've got to go every other. We don't want to sit too close, if you know what I mean. What's our bubble like? Do we believe that God has a bubble? That God has this arm-length reach that says, don't get too close to me, or do we do the same thing to God? Except Jesus, this, this God-man that we celebrate on Christmas, 
says, I have no bubble. What I desire more than anything is to be close, so close to my people. No matter what the people have gone through, I want to be the up-close God that is in their business. And we've been going through Matthew on Wednesday nights, and I know Wednesday nights can be kind of a peculiar thing. We spend about 45 minutes going through a section of passage. We discuss it. It's not super complex. But what we've been looking at is how Jesus, as he walks through his life, he gets right up close. He gets right in people's business. He touches people that he's not supposed to touch. He eats and shares a table with people he's not supposed to share a table with. Because the God that we worship is a God who is a personal God who wants to be right up in our business. And I know for some of us, it, it, it can be uncomfortable. And yet, it is exactly what we need. This up-close, personal Jesus, God with us. That's what Easter, Christmas, Easter. You know, <laughs> why is it that I'm so excited about Easter this year? Those of you who missed it, a couple weeks ago I prayed as we prepared for Easter. You know, sometimes there's an inside joke and you're like, I'd like to laugh at the joke. I'll just let you all in. I prayed the wrong celebration. Emmanuel, God with us. God desires to be with us. He desires for us to be with him. And as we talk about this, you know, we use these like fancy words because maybe it works well with marketing. We talk about spiritual formation. My aunt, she's like, spiritual formation, pastor, what does that even mean? It's about getting closer to Jesus. And so this book, the first book of our series of 2023, we're going to try this reading group if you're interested. Some people are like, oh yeah, I already started it. Interestingly, it's been all females. It's called Deeper by uh, Dane Ortland. We're going to start uh, this next month, January. He says this in, in uh, the fourth chapter. He says, what exactly, he's talking about Ephesians 3, he says, what exactly is Paul praying for? Not for greater obedience among the Ephesians, or that they would be more fruitful, or that false teaching would be stamped out, or that they would grow in doctrinal depth, or even the spread, or even for the spread of the gospel. All good things. Things we should and must pray for. But here Paul prays that the Ephesians would be given supernatural power. Not power to perform miracles or walk on water or convert their neighbors, but power, such power, the kind that only God himself can give. Power to know how much Jesus loves them. Power to know how much Jesus loves them. Not just to have the love of Christ, to know the love of Christ. 
And then he asks, what's the state of your soul today as you read this book? Consider your own inner life. Ponder Christ. Do you know the love of Christ? As we come together on Christmas, do we know the love of Christ? Do we know it not just in a cognitive way, but do we know it in a deep, interpersonal, up-close way? Because I know we can, we can so easily fall into uh, what John Meacham calls the civil religion where celebrating Christmas is just something we do because we're Americans. But Christmas is about the up-close, personal God that wants us to be up-close with him to know in a deep, bone-shattering way the love of Jesus Christ. Do we know that today? You're like, yeah, that's why I'm here. Or my parents made me. I'll never forget the day we were in Las Cruces, New Mexico, Nikki and I were living in Elephant Butte, so we went to Las Cruces on the regular to um, go to the movies, to get various supplies. We always went to Cold Stone, and yes, we always got, well, I always got more than I should. And we had to make a stop at Albertsons, which happened to be right next to Cold Stone. You always know where the Cold Stone is. Nikki's like, I think I need to stop at Albertsons. And she comes out of the bathroom and she says, well, how should we celebrate? I guess we're having chocolate milk. <laughs> like, of course you're having chocolate milk. You're a Baptist. Imagine what Mary experienced the first time she was made aware that she was pregnant. Luke records it this way. In the first chapter, he says, he's, he's quoting Mary's song. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown great strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Imagine what that was like. Not, not only the terror and the shock and the awe and all of these things, but the joy that Mary experienced. The myriad of feelings that she'd had for all this time, and then the day Jesus arrives... And what she wants more than anything is a room, and there's no room. 
And most likely what she wants more than anything is her family. She certainly doesn't want strangers, and yet the strangers come, and they fall down, and they worship her baby. How does Mary, the mother of Jesus, describe this God? A generous and merciful God. Christmas is a true display of the generosity of God. Now, Santa has co-opted the gift-givingness that is Christmas, and now this is not like some South Park Santa versus Jesus battle. No, it's not going to be that. But think about it. When a child sits on the lap of a stranger in a mall and requests something, we do everything to make that happen. Why is it that we would believe that God wouldn't want to do even immeasurably more for his children? More than hungry, hungry hippo, more than ice skates, more than anything. Mary talks about the generosity of God. The merciful nature of God from generation to generation. Why is it that when we celebrate Christmas, do we not see God as a generous and merciful God? So often the case We see baby Jesus coming and we see the next Judge Wapner or, for my friend Kevin, Judge Judy. Like as if God desired to send his son to this earth to start doling out judgment on all the people. As John talked about last week, God sends love through Jesus Christ. And we say that That God is love. It's not that he does love, that he is in his very nature and his essence. He is love. He is an up-close, generous, and merciful God that sent his son to be with us. To share his generosity to us. That's what Christmas is all about. And it's not just Christmas. It's every day. If we believe that Jesus is a merciful and generous God, if God is a merciful and generous God, and that Jesus Christ is his ultimate act of love for us, then why would we wake up tomorrow morning and change our understanding of who God is? We celebrate on Christmas Day, Emmanuel, God with us, the Prince of Peace, and we sing these fabulous songs. And then we wake up tomorrow morning, and that God is the same God tomorrow as he is today, as he was yesterday, as he was 2,000 years ago. Because the God that we hear about in the gospel, all of the gospel, is a God who desires to be up close and personal. To be a generous God, a merciful God. Now I know this isn't like, you know, some blank check business. 
could easily devolve into that. No, the generosity of God is far more than any gift that we could get on Christmas morning. It is the generosity of love and hope and peace and connection and relationship and intimacy with the Almighty God. So what if today, what if this Christmas, we dropped our arms just a little bit, or maybe we opened our arms up? As Miroslav Volf talks about in his book, Exclusion and Embrace, to embrace someone is to create space for someone. When we open our arms, we create space within ourselves for another person. God, when he sent Jesus, he opened his arms to us. He didn't bring out the gavel to inflict judgment. He brought out his son to provide an opportunity for us to be in relationship with a merciful and generous God who wants to be up close. Maybe this Christmas we can pop our own bubble and allow him to get closer. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you on this Christmas, this day in which we remember the birth of your son with grand celebration and food and family and gifts. And we all know that they pale in comparison to your generosity. The generosity and the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we know that you desire to be so close, up close. This morning we pray that we would allow you to get closer, that we would get closer to you. That as we celebrate and are close with those around us, that we would envision the closeness that you desire from us. Father, we cannot thank you enough for the gift of your son, Emmanuel, God with us. In Jesus' name, amen.